Uh, today, uh, what we're talking about, and it's kind of the last in a series we've been doing on particular theological things, and we did talk about this somewhat on Tuesday night, uh, I'm going to call this the future. The future. What does the future look like? Okay, um, I think before I was a Christian, I thought about the future, like the rest of the world thinks about the future. If I looked at my future, I had hopes and I had plans. I was going to do some things and I was doing everything I needed to do to get down those. The future, as people would say, was mine. I owned the future. Or people say things like, the future will be whatever you make of it. Yep. Um... The world is your oyster. Apparently, um, William Shakespeare said that. don't really know what he means by it. I think he means you could make the future whatever you want it to be. Uh, you can make the pearl, maybe that's what he's saying. But generally, when people of the world talk about the future, they're not really talking about the distant future. They're talking about the, well, not, not even 100 years' time. They're talking about our lifetime. And generally, when you make plans for the future, just say, uh, how old are you, Ben? 31. Just say you're about 31. When you're making plans for the future, you're not thinking about kind of old folks' homes and stuff like that, uh, and, 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 and not death, what might happen then. We're thinking about the future, just the life we're living while we've still got a, a bit going for us. Is that fair? Yeah. So, very limited future. Just the next bit. Yeah, okay. Uh, in fact, we don't really want to think about death at all. As far as the world is concerned, death is kind of something you don't really want to talk about. Uh, and um, quite simply, I think, because people are afraid of death. And so you don't want to talk about something you're afraid of. And maybe if you never think about it, it'll never happen. So what I'm saying is the world lives in futile delusions. Yep. It might never happen. Yeah, right. Okay. When I became a Christian, something changed completely. The whole, the whole scheme of things changed. And this is, I'm not saying about me being anything special, but this is the, how the Christian life works. Life became not about my life and my hopes and my plans and my dreams and such, as such. In fact, as soon as I became a Christian, my present life became more unknown. Rather than something I planned for, it became kind of a bit, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what God's will is. It just, it's a little bit less grounded. And you think, as James tells us, you can make your plans, but um, you say God willing after how you make your plans, because you don't really know what's going to work out. You can plan this year to, I think Rob probably planned to plant a lot of acres of crops and ended up with none because you can, you can make your plans but you don't know what they're going to look like. Uh, in fact, uh, people make bold predictions about the forecast. Generally, you know, we actually do know a couple of days, sometimes up to four days in advance with fair accuracy about the weather. After that, they're dreaming. That's the fact. We don't know a whole lot about the future. Okay, 
When you become a Christian, though, the future becomes more unknown in one sense for this life because it is about God's will. But also that the, our hopes and dreams and what we think is important changes to be God's glory and not our own. We think about what he wants, his glory becomes most important and, and not so much about us. And also for Christians, the distant future suddenly becomes something which opens up for us. We can talk about death. Because the fear of death is taken away. Because we know what happens when our present body dies. Do you understand? Suddenly, the things which was taboo is now, hey, we're happy to talk. We're going to die one day. Yep. Oh, by the way, after that, it's going to get better. Not worse. That's good, isn't it? We can say that as Christians. Without being Christians... You just don't want to go there. That's dangerous talk. Okay, so Christians are not, or they shouldn't be, afraid to talk about these things. We no longer fear death because God has made what happens after that known to us. And as a Christian, the future of our lives, the distant future, starts to have a huge impact on our life now. Right. It changes how we are now. Paul says this, right? If there's no resurrection, eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow you die. In other words, if there is no resurrection, you might as well party. You might as well fill your life with every pleasure you can possibly get hold of because that's it. That's the end of it, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? However, if there is a resurrection, that all changes. Does that make sense? If there's no resurrection, death is like this enemy, like this monster which is standing at the end at some unknown time and it is going to devour us. But when you know the resurrection... It actually changes our present. Our present behaviour is different. Our hopes change. What we work for, our purpose and reason for living, is very, very different. In fact, without the terror of death, some of the things that the Bible promises about life after death actually are something we look forward to. We long for them. All this comes because God, through Jesus, has removed the sting of death. Now, you understand what it means by the sting? If you think about a brown snake, as much as the teeth, you don't want to think about the teeth of a snake, those two fangs, right? That's not the worst bit, is it? What's the worst bit? It's the venom. It's the poison. The poison is the thing which is deadly. And... Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the sting of death is sin. The sting of death, the poison, the venom of death is sin. If a person were to die and have sin, that would be a very grim future. Right? I'll talk about what that looks like in a minute. But if we trust in Jesus... 
then we know he has taken our sin once and for all and he's been punished for our sin once and for all and he's been put to death for our sin. So the sting of death, which is sin, is gone forever. I think that our view of snakes would be very different if we knew that they had no venom. True? It'd be kind of like, there goes a snake, there goes a bunny rabbit. Okay? True? The sting of death is sin. If that sting was taken away, which it has been once and for all through Jesus Christ, then that changes our life, it changes our future, it changes our occupational health and safety thoughts. Um, <laughs> it changes everything. Sorry, I did a course on that this week. Anyway, yeah, okay. So Paul tells us the power of sin is the law. So what give the, I'm going to read that verse in a sec. But sin has a sting, which is death. And the power of sin is the law. But you see, it's our disobedience to the law which condemns us before God. So if you take away the sin, you take away the condemnation of disobeying the law. Therefore, what is there to fear in the future? Because you don't fear the holy God. We know that we're right with him. When the condemnation of the law is taken away, then the, then the sting of sin is taken away, then the fear of death is taken away, therefore our whole lives change. Does that make sense? Yep. Paul says this, Death has been swallowed up in victory. This is through the resurrection of Jesus. This is 1 Corinthians 15.55. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Jesus has taken our sin, so therefore the future is secure. Where, O oh death, is your sting? There's no venom in death anymore. We've got to really push this because, again, the fear of death should not be what controls our life, but the hope of the future is what controls our life through Jesus Christ. And immediately after this, so the next verse, uh, Paul says, now this makes a difference to you because he said, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always be given fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Can you see what he did there? The sting of death is gone. The sin is gone. You have a hope of a resurrection. Therefore, you can stand firm and you can know that all of the work you do for the Lord is not in vain. It's worth something. Your life has incredible meaning and the things you do because of the resurrection and the future that you know. Can you see that? What would be the point of having a church that talks about Jesus if there's no resurrection? I'll answer that. Neil, there is no point. If there is no resurrection of the dead, don't bother coming to church and don't bother praying or anything else. It is a waste of time. Do you get that? The resurrection is everything. It is what God has planned for us. And with that, we have a hope and everything we do has value. Ecclesiastes 7 says, Death is a destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. 
In other words, we should think about the fact that we're going to die one day. We should. If we're going to be healthy individuals or balanced or wise individuals, we should live lives in the fact that we'll one day die. But you can read that in the start of Ecclesiastes 7. It will change us, providing we live with a knowledge of what Jesus has done for us. Then we know that the sting of death is gone and that the resurrection gives us eternal life, not just short-lived life for the next 10, 20, 30, 40. Some of us have got 40 years in us, not me. No, but some of you will. Yep. We actually have a hope well into the future past that. And then our work and our behaviour is of great importance. If there's no resurrection from the dead, life has no meaning, right? We get that. 1 Corinthians 15 is clear about that. But the other side of it is, if there is a resurrection, all of life, everything you do and are, has incredible meaning. Everything has meaning because of the resurrection of Christ. In Colossians 3.23, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So You're working for the Lord, do everything. Put your heart into it. Not for human masters. Don't think about human things. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You know in the future what God has in store for you. It is the Lord Jesus. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. He says. Okay. So, because we know about our future, then everything has great meaning and value. And so we don't work and put all our effort into vain pleasures. Uh, we're working for the Lord. It changes our behaviour. And, and one, uh, if you go to 1 Peter 4 and just read the first few verses, he says, now that you're a Christian, don't get into idolatry, don't do all this sin, don't do your sexual immorality, don't do any of that stuff, because the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. In other words, live towards God, live in the relationship that he's reconciled you to. You, what I'm saying is, the end of all things is near, that changes the way we act now. Right. Hopefully I've made this point. So what does the future look like? What does the Bible tell us the future looks like? I'm I'm actually going to lay this out in in eight simple points. That won't go forever, don't worry. Just as you're going to be counting. Right. I've I've said it already, one day we'll, we'll die unless Jesus returns, and I'll talk about that in a minute also. But the Christian doesn't fear death. That that's going to happen. That's it's our future. The Bible tells us that our experience of of dying will be as falling asleep, which is not something to be feared, is it? And that after we die, Jesus will come and get us and take us to be with him. So we may be where he he is also. Hmm. So that's step one. Step two, then we will be with the Lord. We'll be with the Lord because we have been cleansed by the Lord Jesus and washed and we're made acceptable for God, so we'll be holy and completely acceptable to him and we'll be with him forever. How about that? But the first step is we'll be with the Lord. Number three, don't worry, don't get too strict on the order of how things happen. That's up to God. But 
Sometime in the future, Jesus will return. He will wrap up history. And if we're still alive when Jesus returns, then that'll be good too, by the way, because we're still safe with him if we have trust in Jesus. But we know this, the appearance of Jesus when he returns is not going to be a secret. You're not going to sort of find it in your Facebook feed in the news and go, huh, did that happen? Well, I skipped that. Did I miss that? Jesus said, everybody's going to know about it from the east to the west. But also, there will be no warning as to when this will happen. Only God the Father knows the time, the hour of the day. But one day, Jesus will return. That will happen in history. And then part four, all people who have ever lived will be raised. Everybody. That sounds good. So it doesn't matter what you do, right? There will be a... What the Bible, what, what theologians call the general resurrection. That's not the specific resurrection, the general one. Okay? It says the angels will go out through the earth and gather all people to the day of judgment. And the judgment will be based, although we, it says uh, in various passages that there's some sort of reward for your works um, on how you've lived. The basement of this, the base, basis of this judgment will be on whether you've trusted in Jesus or not. Whether you go to eternal life or eternal punishment, eternal life and eternal punishment, not, you'd think you'd say eternal life and eternal death, wouldn't you? But that's not it. Eternal life and eternal punishment is based on whether you trust in Jesus. And the Bible speaks as such of a drafting race. You, you, I don't know, we, we used to draft sheep. I guess you draft cattle the same, right? And, and it, with sheep, someone stands with this gate and you go like this. And, and, and if you pictured that there was goats and sheep mixed up together, the goats go this way and the sheep go that way. And the God who knows all things, including the hearts of men, meaning the genuineness of their faith in Christ, He's the one who will do the drafting. He will do that. That will be judgment day. And the saints, I'm at the point five already, so we're going quickly. This is good, isn't it? The saints will go to eternal life to be with God forever. And they will be shown and to be children of God, children of the Father, brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who are unrepentant, that is, those who have not turned to Jesus and turned from their sins, those who have not trusted in him will go to eternal damnation. That's called hell, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth forever, a place of eternal loneliness and separation from God. And all of the enemies of God, including this is about point six now, this sinful world and Satan and his demons are thrown into an eternal fiery pit. They will be judged forever there. In other words, Satan is not ruling over hell. Satan will be judged and punished in hell for his rebellion, as will all who have rebelled. Now, point seven is at some point in what we've done up till now, Believers will receive new bodies, immortal bodies. In other words, bodies which don't decay and wear out. A flesh that is eternal, 
will have eternal flesh. I don't know what that looks like. I'm starting to get wrinkly and my hair fell out. Yeah. Well, our new body won't wear out like that. Okay? Um, there will be no more sickness for that body. We kind of know what that's like, but we don't. We, we hope for it, but that will happen. Okay. And the earth will be renewed. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. Um, it will be restored as it, at, back to its purpose. God's plan in the beginning of a perfect earth with humanity living without sin and suffering and tears and pain. Look forward to that, hey. You know, I said there's, there's a lot in the after bit that we actually look forward to more than this life. Our whole perspective is changed through faith in Christ. Everything is different. Do you get what I'm saying? And most importantly, we will live with God and his wonderful son, Jesus, forever. We will be with God. At the end of Revelation, it says he will be our God and we will be his people and we'll be with him. He will be our father and we will be his family and we'll be gathered at the great feast at the end of all time. And it will be good and we will no longer have a desire in us to sin. We won't sin anymore. That will be heaven. That's heaven. Hey, Heaven. Not necessarily just a physical place, but a place where we're in the presence of God forever. And we love it. And we're his people. And we will have an unclouded communion with him. There will be no guilt, no thoughts of, I wonder what if he really loves me. I wonder if, it, if I really outsinned him yesterday. There will be no thoughts of that. We will have a perfect relationship with him and there will be no more lies of the evil one. Those thoughts that come into our head, they won't be there anymore. We will see and know the truth and we will be with him forever. If I said, isn't that good, that would be the understatement of the century. Right. Isn't this brilliant? Isn't this wonderful? Isn't it radical? Right. It changes the foundation of our present life, knowing the future. Um, It changes our desires to gain wealth. For what reason? So we can have it in the bank when we die. Yay. It changes uh, the way we look at possessions. It changes the way that our relationships are because relationships become more important because relationships are eternal. Do you know that the people of God will be in relationship with each other for eternity too? So those relationships must be important. The church is, is a wonderful part of the future and the relationships we have in it. So the foundation has been changed for our future from delusional thoughts, which is shifting sand, to solid rock. Complete assurance in what God's doing and what he's done. The devil is always here in the, in the present, tempting us about to put our lives and our hope in the pleasures of this world. That'll be gone. He's always saying, 
Don't lift your eyes to God and the things that he's doing and done. Drop your eyes to your fascination with small, useless things. But that's not... I talk about the devil in that way, but the Holy Spirit is with us and he's shaking us constantly and going, no, 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 don't look there. Yeah, he, he shakes us from our slumber and brings us back to the truth and joy that's in Christ alone. He, the Holy Spirit, causes us to lift our eyes and see that our redemption is drawing near. When we see the world falling to bits, we don't have to fear like the rest of the world because Jesus made promises. These things will happen. The world will go downhill. There are going to be lots of problems. Wars. Yep. People saying they're saviours. Famines. Droughts. Both things will happen. And when you, when you see these things happen, he said, lift your eyes because your redemption's coming near. In other words, don't let them be times that tear you down. Let them be times which show you where your hope truly comes from. From Jesus Christ. Lift your eyes to him. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. He lifts our eyes to Jesus all the time. So we can be confident in our future. A big part of what I'm saying today is to say this. We see, because of the future that God has planned for us, that we are actually, in one sense, as the Bible calls us, aliens in this world. It's a strange way to talk about us being aliens because we think about that means you know people from other planets, but that's not what it means. It means, you see... We have this feeling as Christians and we have this knowledge of what home is. And that home happens actually after we die. Yep. So we don't put our faith in the home that we try and create in this world. Because we have in our hearts a longing to be home. Whatever, that, whatever you picture that home looked like. In Hebrews 11, um, the, the writer has talked about all these people who lived by faith. And then he says this in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They had faith in God and then they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. That means not a country of this world. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, then they would have an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. He has prepared a place for us, and it's home. It is that thing that place that we long for where we will be with him forever. So, I want to encourage you to think about the future. I mean, long future. Think about it. If you're wise, you will. It will change the way that you act and live in this life for good. Encourage you to think about that and to be confident in Jesus and to trust in him, to be sure in him. And if I can just say it this way, if you haven't believed in Jesus, 
then presently putting your trust in him is the most important issue in your life. There is no more important one. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, you need to trust in him. You need to repent and you need to trust in him without delay. Because then you have all of the gifts of this future that we're talking about. And without it, it is a very grim future. Very grim. I'm just going to finish with a Bible verse from 1 Peter 1, 3. We know it very well, but Peter here is talking about the blessings of our future that come through Jesus Christ. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance which can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, although refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we want to give you thanks for your son Jesus. Thank you that he died to take away our sins, to make us acceptable, righteous and your children. And we thank you today particularly that you raised him from the dead and for the hope of eternal life that you give us. Father, I pray that by your spirit you would teach us more and more to have this deep assurance of faith, this trust in you, because we know our future is in you and it's safe and secure in you. And Father, I pray by your spirit that you would teach us this so that we may live with all the joy and peace and love and security that you planned for us before the beginning of time. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.